0: Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. Welcome back, Charlie and Sarah.
1: Thanks, Justin. I I think I'd like to be to the front, though. I don't want to be in the back. Of what? Whatever the orders we're talking about.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. So today, uh, and this will not be a one and done because um, it's a big, hairy topic, but we're going to talk a little bit about safety. Big and hairy equals broad. Yes. Large. And also deep. Multifaceted. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll start off by saying I'm probably going to tell some near miss stories from my own experience. I think it's a full miss. Well,. Yes. It's, it's a near I hit. Do, I do have 10 fingers That's and 10 Carlin toes. the analysis on that. And I am alive. So, so far a win. Um, but in all of those cases, uh, not the fault of the people I was working for, solely the fault of me for doing something I probably shouldn't have. So we'll get that out of the way up front. Stupid is always innovating. I mean, I've had a whole career of those things. So anyway, um, Safety. Here we go. Sarah,
1: why don't you lead it off since you're the most qualified?
2: The most qualified. Yeah. um, Sarah's
1: a TUV certified.
2: Yeah, machinery technician level. There you go. We're very excited about that. I didn't want you to
1: have to read your own CV all by yourself.
2: No, thank you. Thank you. Safety is a very big topic, uh, and you can look at it in a variety of ways. And I think for our topics in these episodes, it'll be more around machinery safety versus process safety there's different levels type certifications within the word safety and automation right i think
0: that's the best ballpark to play in for what we, machinery safety we play games on for today we've got yeah. some really good friends that know the process side of things yeah, correct correct um but for but today we're gonna avoid that today because i just like to say process is just like motion control but a hundred thousand times slower um, but there's a lot of magic to it that I don't understand. So we mm-hmm. we won't pretend.
2: No, not not today. No, and I think we were, our previous topics were cost of automation, right, was our very first one, which is kind of how we got to safety today. And what is that um, perception of cost when you include safety on your machine, right? I think that's where you're kind of starting to go with it. Is Charlie, <clears throat> pardon me, is... Is safety too much, right? And are companies not including it to level they could or should be as a perceived way of cost savings when it could actually be the opposite? I think, Justin, your comment was what really is the cost of automation. And if you're investing in safety up front, you might have cost savings on the other side that you may not realize. And once you balance out the cost of the safety up front to the realized ROI and the outcome, put them together, and it's probably no more than you think it is than what you're already doing today. Correct. But who has the time to look at that whole picture, right? Do the whole analysis. correct? And it
1: feeds into episode the the topic uh, more recently where we talked about just the people and how yes. automation affects those people. Well, gosh, if it's hard to get people and you lose one because you didn't safely set up your machine, wow, now you got a double whammy with the dad- terrible sprinkles on top.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it, it, well, it and it's interesting, too, having lived through the evolution of what safety was versus what it is now, yes. right? I mean, I remember a, a million years ago, single-channel safety was perfectly sufficient, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, insurance and the cost of, you know, what is the value of a human life? is terrible thing to think about but we have many actuaries that actually mm-hmm. have it figured out and I think your thumb is worth more than your eye
2: yes or your arm yep. yeah
1: yeah. well guess what those thumbs get really close to some gnarly stuff mm-hmm. and if we're talking a conveyance you know apparatus at a gravel plant you know or those mobile uh, concrete plants on the side of the road would build all these highways or we're making you know boxes of uh, gummy
0: bears speaking of Thumbs, though, more of a detour for a second here. Ooh. Those safe stop saw blades that you can get on Amazing. a table saw? Yeah. Where was that 30 years ago? Oh. Man. <laughs> I have a good
1: friend whose dad is a dentist, and that's the only thing he works on. And once you saw the hot dog demo? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, there's a saw. You can touch a hot dog to it. And, and it the stops. saw will stop before it breaks the casing of said hot dog.
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 blade buries itself into a block of aluminum or something, right? That's the uh,
1: yeah, it's some kind of like shotgun actuated, yeah, perpendicular block of it is aluminum, isn't it?
0: I, yeah, it's metal of some sort. Yeah, yeah I don't fascinating. Know, right? We should we tube it ourselves? We should maybe, we, and we could even include a link. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's super basic, right? And you start to think about. You know, I, I don't know. Those things aren't inexpensive. I want to say they're a thousand bucks or more, right? It's not like you're getting your hundred dollar saw from the local store and it's got it. Sure, but your thumb is two hundred you said two hundred and fifty
1: thousand dollars?
2: I don't know the exact dollar amount, but it's more than like you said, like an iron arm. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: And if you're a dentist, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> like that's that's your right. livelihood.
0: Right. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> Click. So, yeah, I just, I think, like, that's a very basic one where I go, where was this? And why is this not the gold standard across the board?
1: I mean, there's saw companies here in town. They make killer safety, you know, they apply it. For sure. But one of the easiest ways to make things safe is just limit access.
2: Well, and that's where the innovation comes in. If you're doing a risk assessment up front of your machine design... Before you even build, physically build the machine and you're starting to look at pinch points to your point, conveyors, blades, opening and closing a door, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do I have a robotic arm? How fast is something moving? What is my reaction time? To your point, people have done extreme calculations on how fast products move, people move, etc. You want to innovate. Can you imagine the conversations they had at that company with that saw blade? Sure. What, you know, what if, imagine if. Yeah, it's great. How could we stop it? Ooh, what could we do? That's innovation is Mm -hmm. they found a way to stop it before it hit the you know, broke through the casing of the hot dog Mm -hmm. and they didn't even go down the route of guarding. Right. I think that was some of the traditional thought was, well, my machine is as is and to protect others, I'm going to barricade them from it. That's where guarding gets into play. Right. The gates get into play. Well, people can override those, climb on them, stand on them.
1: Well, and that's your risk assessment, right? Yeah, since that's where the it's risk like, well, assessment... we're never going to keep the person away from the blade. They want to touch it. They just do.
2: Right. They're but using
1: that, a table saw. They want to get as close to that blade as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. But the innovation of that blade and how it is protecting fingers, think about the outcome, the branding, the recognition, the name, their sales, right? Right. Uh, did they take that benefit into the cost analysis when they started to look at the cost of what they're going to sell and the aluminum to put in there, right? Um, Click. Right. We're sorry. He moved hardware on the table. No, he's being a producer. Right. Amazing. Um, But I I guess, did anybody sit down after that project is released and re-examine that business case a year, three years, and five years from when they designed it and released it? Right? I just, yeah I just, mean there's
1: I think they locked it down with IP mm-hmm. saw stop and uh they uh, you know they own that portion of the market and you know what that's a great place to be I mean you mm-hmm. can't cover you can't be the end- all to be-all I mean being a guy that's made some stuff um you can't be the end- all to be all you have to define your market and part mm-hmm. of that market is how you add value to it safety is a value yes. The, the funny thing about safety now is it now is it encompassing the environment in mm-hmm. which the worker or the person interfaces with it or the person who benefits from the product downstream even, um, how does that machine, how is it safe for the environment too? EHS, right? Yep. Sustainability, yep. environmental and health and, and safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you got the envir- what? environmental sustainable governance, ESG. Mm-hmm. Um, so that... That's a. Uh, I mean, how how far out do you want to go in this safety discussion? I mean, these are all things that people think about now, and I'm all for it because I'm tired of watching the mesothelioma ads come up on TV, right? From that was asbestos? <clears throat> I yes. think so. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, we've got a couple, two or three shingle plants in the in the in the vicinity, you know, up here, and it's like, huh? Are those safe? You know, I don't know. I've been in a, ga- a glass plant, you know, but that's just sand and heat, right? But there's, you know, there's all these things get get made around here um, that it's like, okay, when do people start to think about, well, what are the emissions to make this? Mm-hmm. And how is that affecting the people within 10 feet, within 50 feet, you know? Um, to make a, a a quartz countertop stinks to all high heck, man. I mean... Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna name names, but geez the wow. It's Paper intense. mills too, right? Yeah. Mills. They, I, I, they they smell foul.
1: Yeah. And you're like, you're like, oh, but you know, hog plants are terrible. I'm like, hey man, the cost of bacon's still pretty decent. You yeah. know? And uh I just it, I wonder when does that become part of the T V thing? When do emissions you know, micro emissions and macro emissions
2: start to become part of it. Yeah. Do right. you think
1: that's going to happen?
2: I think there'll be layers of it. You look at, like you said, machine safety. We talked about machine safety versus process safety, protecting a human interacting with the machine versus process safety. And Craig, if I'm wrong, is more on protecting like a city. Yeah. Right. Yep. With, correct. You know, radius and, and, and impact. Well, then, when I get into my design, I think then there's like another layer to your point. Now it's outside the machine; it's within now, environmental, and there's different people that are responsible for that at the companies. It's always the same department. Sure. So, what is the company's safety strategy versus the company's environmental strategy? Right? Are they trying to be certified to be green? Are they putting in a green? Or what roof? is their customers' environmental? What are their customers? Yeah. So I think and is that the same department? Is it two different departments? You have ergonomics now play into it. Oh, 100%. Right? So it's, in when I've worked with companies and we've done risk assessments and, you know, and audits, it's been multiple people involved because you might had, well, this one person's really good at machine safety because Justin started to touch on it. What are the requirements now for products, right? What products do I use? Duality, diversity, wiring there, you know, the, the electrical specifications required there. You have someone from ergonomics stepping in now. Am how am I standing next to the machine? Am I sitting next to the machine? They're even looking into standards like an HMIs, you know, your your human interface machine. You know, my visual graphics. What do those look like? And then you have uh, sustainability now coming in, and is it green? And can I – what was that article you posted, Justin, about using cardboard versus
0: – Oh, for the uh, the beer tops. Yeah, the beer Six tops. Six-pack tops. Like, cardboard instead of plastic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but right. now
2: you're coming into that, and so I, that's – you get to that team environment now of – all the different people and what their goals and responsibilities are for that company but mm-hmm. that's i think where the innovation starts to happen mm-hmm. my responsibility is to get us to be more green to get what is it lead L E E D certifications yep. let's go cardboard Ooh, well to do cardboard from plastic that changed the machine design here well now that machine design change potential safety and interface
1: is there that, a hemp fiber we can just build everything out of to kick this uh epoxy crap out of uh I'm sure it's coming. The supply chain, <laughs> yeah. I in see. the in the nylon piece, I wouldn't. Yeah. Let me sure. just mm-hmm. hemp fiber circuit breakers. <laughs>
0: Why that? Eh. <laughs> we'll I don't know what the conductivity next? is yeah. there. But, can it uh, pass the orc testing? Oh, right. let's do it. But I think we so we got really deep right there. We went great. through all well sorts done. of stuff. But you know, as we were sitting here and, and Charlie and I are fumbling around trying to uh, get situated at the table, you know, right now we're staring at three microphones sitting on a table. Each with their own cable coming out the bottom, because of course that's the way you always do it. That's the way we've, that's the way we've always done it. It looks and like, some,
1: uh, uh, yeah, your favorite person on the radio.
0: Yeah, and and Sarah goes, well, hey, in order to make more room. Why don't you just rotate those things 90? And, and now thinking about it, we could have rotated a 180, ran the cord back down the boom oh, stand. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I simply
2: yeah. asked them to rotate their mics, <clears throat> their directional mics. Um, and if you rotate them, the cable can come out the side or the top, allowing them to take notes on paper underneath without banging the cord, thereby banging the mic. And it was groundbreaking early this morning, <laughs> just messing with the directions of the cords. But that comes with the ergonomics and their action. Of the microphones today.
0: Well, and sometimes just making a simple, simple decision or a simple choice to to remedy the problem versus, it, it, so yesterday Charlie said, "Hey, you know, sometimes you know, safety gets to be cost prohibitive, and you know the the gotcha here really is it doesn't have to be right. Like we could figure out other simple choices." Mm-hmm uh to get around things and i think about um just you know the basics and, and this was true in, in the nuclear business right but how do you get farther away from something how do you limit your exposure time all those sorts of pieces right and that's it's kind of what we did here like well the the cable's no longer a trip hazard or a, a spill hazard if you just get the cable out of there right yeah. and all of a sudden poof it changes everything yeah. I mean, it's, it's a
1: vendor thing, a vector thing, right? You just change your vector, you know, go Swifty style and go upside down. I don't know. I'm a Swifty fan.
2: No, it's frequency, severity, <laughs>
1: right? You just got to own your identity. Just know who you are. Yeah. Right. Right. She's a great storyteller. Sign me up. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Sarah, I I don't see how it doesn't become more and more part of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I think ESG and, and safety are intertwined.
2: It's part of the machine design, and I think that's part of our jobs in this industry is how do we help machine builders and users those. Safety is on its own standalone topic. You look at safety, the cost of safety, you start to do calculations, and well, if I add four more light curtains or if I add three more e-stops, you start to have a cost associated to it instead why isn't safety part of the machine design when you just look at the machine itself and how people are interacting with it and what what it's producing and how it's going to be used by the end user if you're moving
1: gnarly chemicals because you're in the you know chip making business or
2: it's a knife blade on a machine cutting dough going down the line it's just that i think is just part of the machine design itself versus being a standalone topic
1: and knowing what the machine's environment is ultimately going to be
2: Right? right, and then, then you're not, oh, well, it's safety. It, it just has its own standalone cost. And you're like, but does it really? Does it need to?
1: Correct, and it's also about knowing your market. You know, what does your market ultimately want? Do they have a ESG goal? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to achieve, you know, 35% reduction in emissions by 2034? Right, reduce. waste. your favorite
0: date. and yep. I feel like they're not going to have a choice, it's <clears throat> going to be forced at some point, right? Just like water emissions are. Right, so today you can't just dump
2: oil down your uh, storm drain (laughs) gutter,
0: or run your your cleaning material out of your paint booth right to the. But you can discard a
1: bag of almonds, which is just about as environmentally terrible as doing that. Why is that? Because it costs so much water to
0: actually grow the bag of oh. almonds. Well, almonds. true story. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, you what? <laughs> that's do you know extreme. where we grow all those almonds? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I do. I Do <laughs> Do you know
0: what's been in a drought condition for exactly. a long time? Poor
1: North, Care, North uh, California.
0: Yeah. Oh. I'd actually seen my first almond tree like five years ago, and I was like, holy cow, that's kind of neat. They automated how to pick those. Did they? Yeah. I've never
1: seen that part. I believe it's almonds. They're shaking them. They got a, oh. uh upside down U on some uh, wheels. Yeah. Goes down the grove, shakes the tree. Big, just net, so. underneath Big net underneath it or something? Big net underneath it. Net, you know, articulates out and in so it can kind of arg- uh, navigate. Cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Brother in law uh, runs a pretty solid uh, rice fruit company out in uh, Pennsylvania and runs a bunch of uh, orchards and packages apples okay i mean there's you know but their conveyances with water so you don't really have to worry about ripping your finger off hmm. i'm sure there's belt conveyance too but That's water conveyance cool. is pretty sweet you don't have to worry about bruising
0: things safety of the product mm-hmm. not to be confused with like boiling oil conveyance yes of like potato chips and corn curls and
1: yeah, what do they do there? How do they keep people safe from, uh, I mean, I worked at Burger King. It's terrifying. Well, that's a different, yeah. I mean, that's, but it's the same oils for. Uh, for sure. I mean, for where sure. they make uh, Totino's Pizza Rolls. Shout out to General Mills. Sure. Right? I mean, and then, you know, pro tip, have your own fryer at home and put the pizza roll into the fryer and reactivate them. What? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's
1: like time travel.
0: I may have to uh, check. I'm coming over <laughs> later and we're going to make some pizza rolls. Um, it's, I mean, I
1: think there's a really big opportunity in pizza rolls. I think you could customize pizza rolls. I think that's probably one of the easiest things to do. I think you should be able to order, you know, with batch process control of where it's at now. Mm-hmm. Why can't you safely say, hey, man, hey, General Mills, I want 100. I'll wait two weeks. I don't care, but I want 100 goat cheese with uh, sun-dried tomato pizza rolls. Here's my address. Yeah, I'll pay the shipping. Boom. Oh, but if I buy
0: 200, you're going to pay the shipping? Great. Better yet, we should get your uh, buddies at Trevi to start making gourmet pizza rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There you go. I mean, that's a marriage that can only happen here in Minneapolis.
0: I love how our brains
2: work. We, we got we, there. We, we jumped immediately from deep frying potato chips to customizing pizza rolls.
1: Well, I mean, it's automation. I don't know why you can't like. Oh, think about it. There's no material. The, the machine cost is minimal, right? You already you already have four hoppers of what are the ingredients of pizza rolls? Pepperoni, cheese, sauce, sausage, and sauce. Yeah, is it four? Yeah. There's got to be more on that menu. Well, I think you can get There's like supreme ones. Yeah. yeah, onion and pepper probably. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. But I'm saying just knock that up to totally. about 65
0: ingredients. Well, wouldn't it be a lot like these pizza you're just robots filling you're a seeing hole. coming out, right? Oh, like yeah. You could, you've got it. It'll just be slower, right? So so therein lies but the General challenge. General Mills General Mills. Yeah, but it would be slower to do small batches versus large batches. The change over time in batch sizing is the challenge today. But change your machine design to accommodate just going, you know,
1: a carousel, a Gatling gun right. of ingredients. I mean, there's there's an application of of automation that we could take from weaponry
0: and go use it into peacetime. We do it with hot dogs. Have you that ever seen a hot dog machine? It's no. a machine gun. It's It's awesome. Really? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think this is a good time for a break as we uh, gather our wits
0: about us to get back on the safety topic. Hang on. We'll be right back. And this episode is brought to you by, well, me. In the event you'd like to join the show as a guest or a sponsor, feel free to email us at automationadvocates at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to it. All right, so we should probably get back to safety.
1: Well, you're going to tell me how safely you make uh, French fries. Because Oh, fried.
0: well, I mean, you just you you stay away from them, right? I mean, that's the so big it's one. Just distance, distance is largely it, right? And the other one, PPE, right? So I correct. think about French fries, welded parts, right? Correct. You should be wearing some sort of mitten, correct? Or glove, maybe correct. a smock, correct? Thanks for that, Lou. Uh,
2: which is which is part of your risk assessment. What is part of the machine design? Um, there's layers of it down to the personal protection. What training do the workers have to go through? What signage do you need? Personal protective equipment, yeah, cases, so. markings on the floor, you know.
1: Yeah, so the that's the thing, right? The two cheap ways are in safety, correct me if I'm wrong, are PPE and walls. Yeah. Barriers guarding. Yeah. It's
2: like their entry level. Yeah, right. yeah.
1: And that generally gets you out of, well, you could die or they could stick their arm in there.
2: Because you're reducing Actual severity, access. frequency, access, yeah. probability. Yeah.
1: Problem is generally, walls are interfaced with by the largest group of or lar- widest range of capability.
2: Your, your worker skill set is very var- variety. Correct. Everybody from somebody
1: that isn't a worker, mm-hmm. right? A visitor, mm-hmm. an apprentice. A shipper mm-hmm. to maintenance. The, the well, the the assistant to the the president of the company. Mm-hmm. Who she's never been on the floor, but for whatever reason, she's on the floor. Sure. Oh, oh, well, we
0: have a strict policy.
1: Well, eh, someday. <laughs> but what's interesting? Get through. Yeah,
0: what's interesting about that though is I think, and this is where again I, I'm not a a TUV expert, but. Uh, Common sense, I think, has to boil into it to some degree, too, right? Again, back to the the table saw.
1: hmm
0: I know it's a rotating, sharp thing. And when I'm at home, I make sure my hand is six inches or farther away from said blade, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The saw stop is awesome. Mm-hmm. As a, somebody who uses their table saw twice a year, totally frequency, absolutely awful, expensive thing to go. Hmm. A little bit of intelligence goes a long way, mm-hmm. and I think that's some of the the challenges and struggles that I I rationalize with as just a individual um, when I look at some of the, the, the safety standards and and what we're doing with the machinery, and I go, well, wh- why would you ever? ever do that right and I've heard the stories and, and this is how we got mm-hmm. to the, the world of trap keys once upon a time like hey Charlie I'm going to go in this machine and while I'm in there I want you to shut the door which has the safety interlock on it and then start it for me so I can watch it run terrible life choice Mm-mm. right mm-hmm. probably That's an a end of life move, choice yeah could at be least. yeah Um but you know procedures, trap keys. Like at some point, there's always a way around it. And I look at all of the effort and the time and the expense, and I go, "Where do we? Where do we draw that line?" Again, not saying we shouldn't build stuff that's safe, right? Totally sure. don't want anyone to get hurt. But I wonder, like as a society, do we have to step back and ask the question, like, "Well, where where do we draw that line?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, right? And I think too, you know, you had talked about some of the emission stuff and, and safety as, as well. You're working on a little pet project on the side.
1: Yeah, um, we are. It's an inherently, um, it's for the foundry industry and we've got a machine that enhances the uh, casting of sand casted parts and presents an opportunity to reduce emissions. Um, we're working on some research where we've identified what emissions are created. So we know... Um, you know, we have the names and the the accountability of all VOCs. And um, it's very, very interesting. And you just wonder, well, it's a known issue, right? The emissions created when you take molten metal and you put it into a mold made out of sand with a bunch of binders. And there's a whole market about those binders. So that when those binders ignite... Well, they really create less emissions. So there's obviously a need for it. And people recognize that we can have great PPE and we can have great um, uh, HVAC systems, but they're not running around selling PPE and new HVAC systems to all the old foundries. And those old foundries are hanging out and they're still making great stuff. And human beings are human beings. I mean, do we really have to talk about PPE in the age of mask uh, opinions? You know? Yeah, right, like, right. Is is the mask being worn every time? Like, I think the only time I can see it all the time being worn in all of my um, exposures and walk-ins of factories is, it's very common in like a paint spraying booth mm-hmm. or a metal processing facility where you're you know grinding. But you still don't see the dude... Rolling, rolling with an, a respirator, uh, in a uh, in like a grain elevator operation, you know, it, that grain dust is you know that's no fun. It's ignitable, you know. Um, you still have people running around in the foundry industry that don't wear masks, and, and that's that's their thing. But it's like, okay, what if you just say we're gonna take it out right here. Like we have this opportunity. And so that's what's interesting about what we're doing with foundry casting systems is like, Hey, we're coming at it from a new vector. We have access to more resolution at the point of solidification. And therefore we have opportunities that are not really available right now. And it's not new technology in terms of it's never been done before, but it's never been presented in a agnostic approach that is accessible and that's what we're trying to do. And that's what iterative technology is, right? So you have somebody that, you know, did this years ago, Mercury Marine did it years ago and we've made it agnostic and we've got it out there and we're testing it and uh, we're going to bring it to market next year and it's going to be exciting. So it's just, it's just like, okay, where else are those opportunities and when do other people Take the time to say, okay, we have this opportunity. We should do this. And is it expensive? Sure it is. Is it hard to do? Yeah, because guess what? Uh, filtration systems, you know, they've they've got a lot of technology to be de- developed yet mm-hmm. too. And uh, how do you really know for sure that you're doing it? You know, are because you're talking about emissions. It's not something you can see, right? So how do you... Demonstrate the benefit and the consistency that you're automating elsewhere in the machine, right? Because that's the way the machine is being built mm-hmm. is to automate a process to provide consistent results and improve when the core thing is happening. In our case, at Foundry Casting Systems, it's solidification. We optimize that environment and by optimizing the environment and controlling that environment, we can do it from more vectors than what you initially set out to do. And that's exciting And I think there are other things where, you know, I've always been fascinated with how we just exhaust heat, like back to the pizza roll. Uh Like How much of that heat, that waste heat, if they are being fried, if you have to be, if you have to keep people away from it, but you can contain it, well, can you capture that heat and recycle that heat? Because until we, all agree that nuclear power and fusion work, cold fusion work. And when we stop burning all this other S, well, we're going to need to, energy is going to become more and more sacred.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure.
1: And it's, it's only going up in cost. So when does, when does the opportunity say, Hey, we're going to stop just exhausting this energy and we're going to bring it back and we're going to capture it. So could you capture the heat, the waste heat out of the top of the fryer? Probably not. I don't know. And use it as a pre-cycle loop to heat that oil. I don't know. Maybe it heats the restaurant or the you know the office oh. building next door. Those are things that just you know pop into my head.
0: And you know, I it, it's an interesting one, and I think this is where we get stuck. Is the the math on the ROI is really complex there, mm-hmm. right? Because I it, it's a little new. Um, it's a little. Oh, there's too many inefficiencies it doesn't work right it doesn't work
1: right you know but when do we automate the coil creation business enough so that you can make um very cost-effective glycol loops and just do waste heat capture systems for a tenth of the price they cost now right sure sure i mean what's the joke when you're over in europe and you're driving around you see these little waterfall generators just about everywhere because they're just capturing all that energy.
0: I've not uh, waterfall generators. Well,
1: yeah, you know, like a, like a, like a, like a dam, like the generator. Oh, dam, right? hydroelectric. Yeah, hydroelectric. Stuff. So okay. they're 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 deploying hydroelectric much more often than sure. I guess uh, the rest of the market. Maybe sure. they're not. I don't know. Sure. China's got a few hydroelectric op- operations.
0: Yeah, unless I, mean, I checked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, well, it, and even back to just some of the efficiencies and what safety can buy you. I think about, you know, we talk a lot during our day jobs about advanced safety in in terms of motion control. Right. Um, You know, you used to have two ways to kind of turn off a machine, just remove power and either lock brakes or let it free roll. Right. And by lock brakes, because it's a DC motor, it it stops. Yeah. It's it's done. It's not going to
1: skid. Correct, right? Be like helping people out that drive cars and lock brakes.
0: Yeah, be like pulling your east your uh, e brake on your car. Wheels won't rotate, right? Sure, but you're
1: still moving. There's no momentum in your
0: actual DC. Oh no, there's potentially momentum. Okay, a little bit less, right? Um, Hopefully, you're not driving through the brake. But I think you know there's another interesting topic around safety a lot of people historically have thought like the brakes on your motors that you buy electric motors for mm-hmm. machinery are a stopping brake and yeah. they're not, they're That's a holding brake. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got a giant roll of paper and it's in motion and you hit that brake, you may only get to do that exactly one time. If you don't set up your system correctly, cause you will just destroy the brake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe some bearings or bounce or, all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um and there are like no joke you must stop load breaks out there we used to use them in in cranes all the time right so that was a real thing Mm -hmm. um but now with some of this advanced safety you can add smarter safety rated encoders to the system and you don't necessarily have to disarm it anymore um, so you can leave power on your motor. You can move it at an even uh, slow speed, right? So mm-hmm. you can jog it with the door open, much like you can with a robot and a teach pennant. And, uh, and it changes a lot of what you're able to do and what's possible. And what's interesting about that is potentially having that intelligence there, that advanced piece allows you to do things without having to circumvent the system. And, and I, if there's any maintenance people out there with their uh, door key, their their door interlock bypass mechanism in their toolbox. Their
2: magnet in their pocket. You know
0: what we're talking about. And there's certain things where, as, as an industry, we've said, hey, I'm going to jog this really slow with the door open, even though it's not designed to do that. And it's a risk, right? There's a real problem there. Um, but if we do it a little bit smarter, all of a sudden now that's not... Not a big deal, right? It's it's meant to do that. Um, So you
1: got two encoders for those. Sometimes, so so the folks at home that don't play with encoders, encoders are positioning devices that basically read every degree on a shaft, so that you Mm -hmm. can know exactly where it is at all times.
0: Kind of like your uh, volume knob on your stereo.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. But now you you've got two, so you've got redundancy.
0: So you can compare them with each other.
1: And then you're running what for resolution?
0: I don't know. I think it's 8 eight to 12-bit. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, but we're talking mm-hmm. fractions of a degree are known. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Just trying to spell it
1: out for folks that yes. don't play with yeah, encoders. If,
0: if you're going to move a half of a degree on a motor, um, which translates with a gearbox to nearly nothing out the back end, um, yeah, you know exactly where you are mm-hmm. at all times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, the human hair is what seven thousandths of an inch thick, give or take. Um, Yours is. Mine's
2: thicker. <laughs> I was <just> say.
0: <laughs> Piece of paper, right, is about that same size. But uh, I mean, we're able to measure those sorts of things. So we're not talking about you know big, big uh, changes. We're able to see everything, and it happens in in real time which we're going to say is a millisecond or faster usually. Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. um, And it's only getting faster and faster and faster. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it allows you, again, to do things that historically may not have been super, super safe to do. I think back to one time I was working on a uh, robot system, and this was before you could, uh, how do I want to say this? You could go in and mess with the firmware variables. Adjust. Um, yes, change them. And you could override the speed at which it was meant to run in a safe manner. And because I was in a hurry, and again, take notes, because this is where all of the problems usually happen. Stupid is always innovating. Right. I, uh, I changed those safety speeds I played with the robot with the teach pendant at full speed while I was in the cage with it because I was in a hurry, changed a tool center point value and drove a, I don't know, 160 kilogram capacity robot through a steel conveyor. And after I collected myself, I walked out of that cage and said, well, lesson learned, I will never do that again thankfully mm. it didn't drive it through my chest or my face. Yeah, it's
1: one of the first rules I taught my kids about playing with tools. The saw doesn't care about you. Right. Yeah. The right. robot doesn't care about you. It'll throw you into the steel
0: carousel next yes. time. It
1: was it carousel or conveyance? So it was conveyance. Thank but
0: you. Sa- yeah, either way, True. it wouldn't Carousels have mattered. is a version of it. The floor, the brick wall, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. The robot doesn't care. Right, right. You know, we're not on Lost in Space here. and And no matter what, accidents are going to happen right and you think about you know I've heard stories of people going to change out dies inside of uh, stamping presses <laughs> oh. yep. right and so I've got a buddy that told a story where you know they sent the junior guy along with the with the senior guy as a training mission mm. senior guy said don't touch anything I'll be right back I forgot something mm. comes back and finds the junior guy squished by the tool because he went and loosened it up without blocking it right and supporting mm. it but again, like that's Sad. where it all starts to happen. So if we can, if we can inherently change the, the, the risk, and it really that's, that's kind of at the core of a risk assessment, right, Sarah? It I mean, is.
2: It is. You, you look at, like you said, severity. If I get to this moving piece, what happens? I'm losing a thumb, an arm, an eye, mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Um, probability. Can I stand, climb, slide over the guard? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then frequency, am I doing this? Am I changing up that die once a month, once a year, once a day? Mm -hmm. And and that's your math equation. So when you start talking about slow speed, well, now my severity goes down. Mm -hmm. Because instead of having my thumb ripped off, I might be pinched, Mm -hmm. which is recoverable. But Mm -hmm. you, you get into those calculations. And I've seen a lot of machine designs in my years. And there are some machines that it's very, very difficult, like those dies, to, to try and do inherent safety, right? Just on how they're designed. But are there ways they could have done different signage or guarding? And I and I've been in those conversations and assessments and audits where you're trying to ask you radar know, sensors, how, yeah, how yeah. how you know um, two
1: dimensional laser.
2: You've entered sensors. the zone, right? Um, we're getting
1: close to 3D ones now. I know. Yeah. Well, in you could do 3D a while ago if you just had the money and said, oh, "I'll, pl- I'll, pl- I'll take three. right? And yeah, but we're getting close. Yeah. X, Y, and yeah. Z. Yeah. Stay, yeah. stay
0: tuned. There's some industry-changing stuff out I'm there. I'm sure if coming. I would have got
1: to SBS last month, it would have. I would have seen it.
0: You would have seen some stuff. Yeah, there's some what? out there. Yeah.
2: But that's part of the conversation, and that's where the innovation comes in, which is a previous episode of, "Well, what if? What if we slowed it down?" What if we had it so the dye is only replaced once a year, not once a month? You know, sure. What Metallurgy, if, Yeah. Right. What? Mm-hmm. What else could I? How else do I change one of those, you know, parts of the equation to reduce that risk? And that's and that's the risk assessment. What is the risk, and how do I reduce it? What can I do?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you go with what's the worst thing that can happen, mm-hmm. and back it out from there,
2: and back it out from there, and you and and it's you have to think of all scenarios. What if someone were to leave the guard off? Just a great time. Yeah. What if someone were to stand on it? You know, I, I've seen people climb over them, slide under them. Oh yeah. Use them as a stepping stone. Yeah.
1: Maintenance dudes are pretty much, I mean. They're, they're innovative and they should be part of the team. Yes, they are. Because. they should be, you're right. Right. You
2: know, and you can use the word, are they being lazy or are they being really efficient? Because they have a task to do Mm -hmm. all of this work.
1: Mm -hmm. And they got four people calling them. Right, and, and they, you know what? They their kid was sick this morning, and their wife's tires were flat, and they got to work ten minutes later than they would have liked. Not late, but you know what?
2: And so are and, he's and, in a hurry, man. Yeah, and they should part of your assessment team. You know how would you use this? How would you change it out? Um, uh, how would you approach it? Right? Because they the way they think and see of things is not the same way as a designer. Definitely not. Right. Definitely. Not. I've met some engineers that have never been to a factory. <laughs> right. Moving on. Um,
1: Everybody should wear each other's shoes for at least a burrito. I mean, just sit down with somebody
0: and ask them, how do you use
1: this? Mm-hmm. What do you want to make?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that also boils back to, and you mentioned it before the the operator interface. So I think yeah. as as a follow on at some point, Um, we'll get a uh, operator interface expert. Yeah. Mine are better than yours. Um, yeah, I don't make it. I mean, I'm just the guy at the table here, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, how and why you do what you do with some of those, uh, devices and interfaces is really important. And I think that's a, that's an ever changing and evolving thing right now. And, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction and say in 10 years that doesn't even exist, right? You're going to no have IT? a heads up.
1: Huh? The HMI goes bye-bye? Yeah, I Oh think yeah. So. Totally. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, we got Ray-Ban hanging with Facebook. I know. I mean, that's a lot of money with with design capability. Wow. You're going to be able to watch a 10-second TikTok
0: video on it all day long. Yeah,
1: and, and allegedly <laughs> still drive a car, you know, because, you know, Meta will lobby that one through and self-drive oh. it, and life will be great. It's going to be just like uh <laughs> WALL-E,
0: right? So, so the
2: movie, the movie. It took me a minute there to figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. come
0: uh-huh. on. I and really, you know. 3D and, and complex safety systems are already, that. that's a, a great hey, example. I mean, your team with a at SPS-19
1: was rolling around with uh, space goggles on people so that they could see inside of the panel or see inside the machine, you know? So you, you go and buy a 2020-whatever, Uh, Vehicle of Mm. more than $30,000 and you get a 360 camera, right? Right. How do they do that, by the way? I believe it's four cameras. Uh, I have a customer that was um, in the truck building business and they had a system quoted to them. I believe it's pretty reasonable inside of $2,500. I think it's a safe directional quote. And it was a four camera system and it put a, I believe a six inch widescreen on the dash of the truck in an aftermarket fashion, but mm-hmm. still nice, and a driver then could see 360 on a box truck. Like I drove box truck in college mm-hmm. during the I believe the 2000 summer. It's just like ice a thirty shortage. to
0: thirty-five footer. Kind I was of a carrying
1: thing. ten pallets of ice, and uh, I mean, <laughs> I would I would, I would have been a much better driver had I had a frontal lobe connected and a 360. Uh, degree system. Sure. I I never had a problem backing up. I was happy to put that thing wherever you wanted it, hit the dock, but you know, driving forward sometimes I took off. I believe it was two thirds of the banner around the uh, Hill city, South Dakota Senco. I believe it was at the time (laughs) on the tail end of a seven day double shift work week. It was fun. It was Sturgis, Right. But, like, can you imagine for 2500 bucks, you can just know on any truck where you're at? So why, why don't we put that inside the machine center, right? And then we can safely say, I'm going to look at this and run it and jog it. And we don't have anything to worry about. So why don't we take that four-camera system and put it in there, put a little screen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or bring the video feed into the uh, HMI so we which can be done.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we're starting we've to see got lots of friends that will be happy to help you out with that. Some of that and in mm-hmm. doubly for, you know, as we've looked at remote diagnostics, remote monitoring and, you know, capability troubleshooting from afar, right? And sure. I mean,
1: you got Ethernet IP cameras. So why don't you have seven right. of them in your machining center and and dude, you're not you're not able to so secure that's, that's you can't happening. do that. You can't I mean, we both sell door locks that can't be tricked anymore. Right. So I guess if you got a screw gun, you're tricking it because you're taking it off. But then the still the machine won't work, right? Because oh, you cut the screw out. We know you did that too.
2: (laughs) Sensor input input lost.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, no, the the camera thing is happening. So we're starting to see more and more machine builders baking that in. Good, um, because it we know where the twenty five hundred dollars is cheaper than a thumb. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Or a plane ticket, right? Correct. You want me to give you a boost here? No. Um, Well, yeah. So (laughs) special guest Lou, the dog here. uh, He's a manicure. Greeting the neighbors and chewing on his bones. So, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, I just, I think it becomes, you know, I believe in the first episode I said something about if you've got a product budget. You should have you know, should hack off twenty percent and put it toward automating the suck out of the thing. Well, part of that budget has to make sure that whatever you do is a safe yeah. removal of suck. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're just creating more suck. Yeah. You, you just know. transferred it someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> he actually made it more personal too, probably. Yeah. Guess what? They're not gonna work their whole life there. No. And but they are gonna have, you know, a missing pinky for the rest of their life until uh you know, what's his name again? Dean Kamen. Isn't it the guy? Yeah. Yeah. The army. <Sos> yeah. 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 RMI Segway yeah. ninja. Yeah. Shout out to Dean. You know, he puts a finger on your hand. I think he'll do it too. Cause he's got one now with like a couple straps around your torso. But I mean, when are we just going to go, Oh, well, Sarah, I see. We're going to replace your right pinky today. You know, that little conversation you have with the surgeon before you actually go in. It's the only time you actually get to talk to him is pre and post. When right? they draw on you. <Sos> yeah. Like, uh, make sure we're replacing the right finger Sarah right that's your right <laughs> yeah what happened I was in a I was in a uh, snowmobiling accident I had to change my my chain on my snowmobile and uh, rip my pinky off and then I had to go home at nine degrees below zero with a bloody stump it was terrible well we're gonna fix that right up for you here old Dean made you a replaceable finger and they just do a little M6 We think it'd be an M6 M8 thread yeah Thread that a thing in there. Pin on
0: one side, yeah. and a Socket on the other. Yeah. And, and then the sensor
1: I/O link ups to her uh, implant we put in her brain, right? right? Right. And Voila.
0: I saw something about that online the other day where Which they were one? doing it was hand. They were doing hand control. Yeah. What's uh, the
1: protocol they're using to communicate between? Voodoo. Is it?
0: <laughs> it's gotta the be. The Voodoo protocol. It's gotta be. I don't know.
2: Black magic. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. you got. Uh, you got Medtronic advertising the other day about pacemakers the size of uh, what do you say, a quarter, right? Yeah. Right. So there's automation. We're just going to automate your heart rate with this little pacemaker. We're going to slip inside there. Talk about safety. What's that risk assessment?
2: Now you're getting into another. That's
1: product
0: level. design, not yeah. pro- not machine design.
2: Yeah, that's a whole another. Stay in your
0: lane. Yeah. Your right. Lane, right. Oh <laughs> But, yeah, it's uh, all the thought that goes into it and just the uh, the opportunity to apply correctly or misapply, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's... Well,
1: and you, you probably Six Sigma, the safety piece of it, right? Right? So, yeah, we bought this really safe machine, but then we have to safely apply it and yep. safely train people. Mm-hmm. These are all part of your TUV certification process?
2: Oh, yeah. And standards are changing. Um, Where does that responsibility lie? Is it with, you know, primarily with the end user? The end user who purchased all the separate machines was responsible to put together the whole process and the assessment. What is the risk from start to finish of this line, right, production line? Well, now it's shifting over to the OEMs as they're designing the machine. Are they doing risk assessments and providing that to the end user who now is able to take risk assessments with their machine Mm -hmm. upon arrival. Mm -hmm. And now you have to blend together okay, well, this this machine is certified at this level, right? And then this machine's this level. So then what does our entire process look like and what is it certified to?
1: And does the OEM like uh, have a stipulation where they say, well, we don't install machines. You have to have an integrator do it. And we have certified integrators and then they offload the liability to the integrator and say, okay, this is our safety boundary and we work within here. Could be. Uh,
2: it could be. And, and that's where the standards are shifting and changing is that the OEMs can now be held liable. Like oh, in yeah. Europe, right? Yeah. Compared to the United States. Yeah. You know um, what a
1: fun conversation is? Hi, I made a new piece of equipment for the foundry industry, and the insurance agent just hears ching <laughs> it.
2: <It's> it. Right. <laughs> um, but, and then, and then that's where you have machine safety from the OEM perspective, to then, you know, you're all getting into process safety, personnel safety from the end user standpoint, because they're the ones putting it all together. And then that's where the humans are interacting with it. Right.
1: Is the audience of the risk assessment ever an insurance agent?
2: Uh, It can be, it can be. I've seen them more on the end user side than I have on the OEM side.
1: And through a consultancy or through like the owner of said, uh, you know, Justin's chip factory buys uh, Um, Sarah's uh, fryer machine line. And then Justin hires his, he says, Hey, I'm going to have Judy from uh, the Hartford come in here and you're going to tell her how you're making this safe. Is that what's happening?
2: Uh, It was more around when they're getting involved in the end user side, you could have HR, legal, um, environmental health and safety, ergonomics, uh, potentially insurance be part of those conversations when they're looking at how that whole line is going to be interacted with and, or, um, what they're trying to assess. Mm. And that becomes a conversation as if I have machine A, machine B, and machine C, and I put them all together, um, what does that look like start to end? To your point, it's the end user's maintenance team that are interacting with the machines, right? Now the machine builder, when they design the machine, some bring in the end user for those upfront conversations. Mm-hmm. What could anybody do to this machine in your facility? And it's mm-hmm. a joint conversation part of the machine design. Mm-hmm. I've seen some OEMs so they've done that themselves mm-hmm. and then said, I'm gonna deliver this machine to you. Here is our risk assessment. Oh. This is what we've done on this read machine, the manual. And now it's on you to implement within your facility.
1: So those first three, seven pages of safety in six languages are it's part of relevant, the c- aren't they?
2: Yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. But when the insurance is coming in, I've seen it more on just confirmation from the end user standpoint that they've done the checks and the balances. They've done what is their training plan? um, How are they onboarding workers? Like you said, who's Mm -hmm. got access to the machine, interns, people Mm -hmm. walking the floor. um, That's part of their legal, HR, liability,
1: Sure.
2: you know. A yep. process when they when they bring machines in, uh, especially if say if they have like machines A, B, and C. Well, now C it's going to be updated. There's mm-hmm. new technology now. How I palletize? How I shrink wrap? How I, you know? Well, you're bringing in
1: 65 ingredients for the pizza. For
2: yeah, because Charlie, you know, has demands now for the pizza roll industry. Um, I we think talked it's more about innovation you. requests. More more innovation requests. Well, now you have to dust off that assessment you could have done five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago if mm-hmm. one was done then. Mm-hmm. and now you have to start over to go okay now we have a new machine mm-hmm. what is that impacting the process so it's just a, it's an ongoing conversation for safety um and the more i think our oems and end users work together you can get more innovative around it sure right because the oem has to design a machine that can be used by people they don't know oh i know right like they yeah, yeah, you yeah, you're you're, you're yeah. going to design it to the best of your ability yeah you, know you don't even you speak
1: their language, but you're going to make your HMI say, <laughs> "This is start in Korean," Yeah. know, because you know who wants to say no to a Korean PO? I don't.
0: What if instead of using words, it was symbols? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Decoder ring that. Yeah,
1: but we can. We've got. We've got PLCs that'll do lookup tables. You know, at the speed of light. Sure. And, you know. Sure. RFID identification chips that say. Oh, Justin, you know, uh, speaks Korean. So give him Korean and, sure. you know, John over there, he speaks. What's your favorite dialect?
0: I don't know. Let's, uh, let's Italian. Let's, sure. go. Yeah. yeah. We Season want pizza rolls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. pizza rolls. yeah. Pizza yeah.
1: rolls. Default setting. Anyway.
0: Well, so roll, roll this back to a conversation we had before around the workforce. What we've highlighted a lot in this safety conversation is training. And as turnover gets worse and worse, we're, we're swapping people out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hate to say every six weeks, but we're going to get to a point where maybe that's a reality if it's not. Already. Well, you have to
1: cross train people. If, if they're not, they're not, maybe you're not losing people, you're having to run people in multiple points on the line. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's where, six, eight, ten years ago, you start you start seeing HMIs that include the ability to do video playback mm-hmm. at pretty high quality. Work
2: instructions. Right. So yeah, it's
1: like, hey man, this is how the machine works. You know, this is Judy. She's operating the machine correctly. This is how you should do it. You know, and it's like, hey man, if you don't know how to do it, just say, you know, training video, mm-hmm. bang.
0: Right, but I, I wonder, will we see the evolution change in, in how we make more stuff inherently safe because of the lower bar we're setting for operators. That's what I'm getting at.
2: I, I would agree. The intuitive of how I use the machine.
1: Sure. I, and I, I you're guess just it. pulling from a brighter pool, a wider pool of people. Well, you're, you're going to have it. to. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, people don't want to make cabinets anymore. They, they're an Instagram influencer and they're making 110 and they're cool. Maybe. Yeah. High, you know. High five. I, right I hope that treadmill keeps rolling <laughs> I, just, I still have it. the math just doesn't. I appreciate it. I think I get it. It's marketing and it's a new vector of marketing, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: but do you buy anything
1: because of it? I don't have it me either yeah yeah i i I'm not the target market, no another middle aged white guy. come on. <laughs>
0: Uh, so this was, this was a deep one. I Uh, liked, I I love this
1: topic. It's controversial. It's, it's, you know, it's necessity. I think that's the other thing. Like, uh, why do we struggle to do the things that we know we need to do? Mm -hmm. It's like, come on.
0: And this won't be a one and done. We'll get some real experts. Sarah is our resident expert. Barely passable. No,
1: but I just, I'm tired of hearing, I heard a story the other day, uh, there was um, there's some dirty money rolling around, and some dude leveraged a bunch of Ukrainian bucks to buy a bunch of um, Rust Belt industry places, and one of them was a steel plant, and uh, they obviously didn't have a motivation of quarterly profits or worker safety or market capitalization or you know we're gonna take this much market share in this zone, no. They just were hiding money. So then what happens? Oh, we didn't safely update the machines and didn't fund, you know, said M&R projects, maintenance and repair. And then next thing you know, people start getting hurt and they just shut the whole thing down. And it's like, huh, that's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> like, it's terrible news. You know, so it's like, okay, does... What does OSHA drive it? There's a piece we didn't really Mm -hmm. talk about is the governmental requirements. We talked about private, you know, cost Mm -hmm. concerns in in terms of insurance and, uh, you know, worker morale and turnover. And, you know, how high is that number when you walk in the door? It says this facility has been, you know, 6,419 days without an injury. Well, don't stop them from getting to 6420. I mean, come on. You got to keep them going. Right. So, you know, it's just, is it just, is it a streaking thing? Is it a, is it, you know, what does OSHA require?
2: Oh, there's, yes. Is so, OSHA
1: being funded well enough? I mean, there's an argument.
2: Yeah, that's another conversation. Yeah,
0: it's a giant tennis match. Trained equally, evenly, everyone up to the same speed, right? Because for better or worse, I would say no two inspectors have the same opinion sometimes. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah, but if you're, if, if you and I have competing AMR uh companies. Okay. Okay, for the yeah. tap on that, which is a different whole different piece of the safety angle. Yeah, but I'm gonna but keep a, going to do a callback. Yep. Is there a and this is really a question for Sarah. I'm just drawing the metaphor here. Is there a requirement that we have to meet? You know, is it is it a PL rating? Is it a SIL rating that says, mm-hmm. "Hey man, you make an AMR, you can't bring it to market unless it has this Is that is that That
2: yeah, that's part of some of those requirements. Yeah, it's an
1: OSHA requirement. I don't it's bro- not a it's not a specification by the machine machine uh, target audience. Like I'm the I'm the warehouse guy, and I require my AMRs to be SIL three.
2: Your end user would set forth the requirements of the machine category or SIL rating, mm-hmm. because the end user.
1: And those, for those folks that don't know, those are the ways we tell the difference between this machine can do no harm and this machine can cut your head off.
2: Correct. Okay. So the end user who is, like you said, abiding by all of the certification agencies, you know, like OSHA, um, my particular production line process facility, I have a category three rating or SIL two, SIL three, whatever my requirements are. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it depends on what I'm making. Am I making... Dough, or do I have saw blades the size of buildings that are cutting through trees? Like my
1: I've got an AMR way? that weighs two thousand pounds and can't go over three miles an hour so it can't really hurt you, but it can run over your toe? Is that the risk assessment there real quick? Kind of <laughs> kind yeah. of yeah,
2: yep. Yeah, yeah. so when so that's where you have the conversation between the end user and the OEM of I need this level machine. When the OEM then builds the machine, They come back and say, oh, you wanted this category, this machine is this category, and here are the calculations we did to prove that category, right? Um, When you're getting into OSHA, that's a whole other conversation on what are OSHA's requirements around human Mm -hmm. safety Mm -hmm. versus um, you look at machine safety, If I'm using the machine correctly or incorrectly versus I have the ability to walk to my machine in a safe manner, slip, strips, and falls, clear lines for forklift traffic, people traffic. There's different layers of how safety is applied or or calculated. Um, And so, like you said, you have all kinds of governing bodies at play, and does that company have a safety mantra or... Um, goal. You, you, I've walked into facilities that clearly state how many days since last incident mm-hmm. to make every sure that everyone's on the same page. We are a safe company, mm-hmm. that we want to not mm-hmm. have injuries. And I've seen some companies you walk in and there's no banners talking about safety. Mm-hmm. And you really are looking for forklifts to not pop out of an aisle way and take you out, right? There's. It's
1: implied risk or is it just part of the culture?
2: Part of the culture. Wow. And, and that's where I think you said safety is becoming a how does it become not a standalone topic, but just a ongoing conversation in everything we do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Instead of, oh, well, if I don't do this, I can save money here. Is that really the attitude you want or culture you want? I don't think,
1: I I really hope it isn't. I don't think it is much anymore. Mm -mm. I mean, I just, I I think there's too much um, outside influence Mm -hmm. to be a business owner, Mm -hmm. to be making anything, to, I have machines interfacing with human beings and and systems interfacing with human beings. You have insurance pressures, you have governmental pressures, mm-hmm. you have societal pressures. Oh, and yeah. you, and you, you want to attract, we talked about it last episode. We want to attract people. Well, how much easier is it to attract people to work for you if you have a safe working environment? It's kind of required, isn't it? In most aspects. But there's just some inherent things like, hey man, the crab fishing is always going to be dangerous. Dangerous, and we're gonna we're gonna automate that, right? I mean, that's just a drone boat. Take the wave out of it and just harvest the crabs underwater. <coughs> I mean, but obviously, you're you know spoiling how my it is. dreams to be a pirate. Well, again, change <laughs> the specification. <laughs> And remove okay. the, the cold so just weather. No crab fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Remove the cold. You know, you're not, you didn't want to be a pirate in the uh, North no. Pacific, That's right? true. That's true. Like, no. that's you true. wouldn't be based out of Anchorage, <laughs> did you? Great town, Anchorage. <laughs> right. I mean, it is. I mean, holy cow, way to make lemon uh, lemonade out of lemons.
0: Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not easy to do up there. Mm-mm. The darkness and the cold. Right. So we've, we've bumped up just over an hour here, so we are out of time. Hey, it's a time. big topic. We'll hey, be back you. on this one mm-hmm. without yeah, a doubt. Multifaceted. Um, anything you want to close with or part with before I uh, hit the end button?
2: Safety has to be a conversation in, in all aspects in automation. It just has to be manufacturing. I think that's where innovation is going to come from.
1: It's going to allow you to continue to automate, and I yep. encourage everybody to automate safely.
0: I'm just going to say, keep your fingers and keep your toes. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.